Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. All participants, please stand by. Your meeting is about to begin. Good morning and welcome to the Dollarama Fiscal 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. Neil Rossi, President and CEO, and Michael Ross, CFO, will make a short presentation, which will be followed by a question and answer period, open exclusively to financial analysts. The press release, financial statements, and management's discussion and analysis are available at dollarama.com in the Investor Relations section, as well as on CDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by Dollarama to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements. Dollarama's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans, expectations, intentions, results, levels of activity, performance, goals or achievements, or any other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events, or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. As a result, Dollarama cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize, and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risks, please consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking information contained in Dollarama's MDNA dated June 10, 2020, available on CDAR. Forward-looking statements represent management's expectations as at June 10, 2020, and, except as may be required by law, Dollarama has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Neil Rossi. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. I hope you are all keeping safe and enjoying some nice summer weather wherever you may be joining us from today. Throughout the first quarter of fiscal 2021, we adapted quickly to an unprecedented situation in order to safely and effectively serve Canadians from coast to coast in difficult circumstances. Our focus from the beginning of the crisis has been on keeping our employees and customers safe and delivering on the promise of the Dollarama brand. Recognized as an essential business early on in the crisis, we have operated our stores without interruption except for a limited number of store closures and have done so in full compliance with public health guidelines. The resiliency of our business model was proven by our ability to keep our stores from British Columbia to Atlantic Canada open and well stocked. I am proud of our 20,000 employees and what we have accomplished together in such a short period of time. With many new work processes and wide-ranging safety measures firmly in place, we are well prepared to do our part to keep everyone safe as communities across the country proceed with a careful and gradual restart 
of economic activity. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing Canadians with affordable everyday products and a safe and efficient in-store shopping experience. With that, let's take a look at some of the key themes of the quarter before I pass it over to Michael to discuss our financial and operating results in more detail. Our first quarter results reflected the direct and indirect effects of COVID-19. The pandemic itself and the measures taken to curb its spread had a significant impact on the shopping patterns of our customers. Sales for the quarter were up 2% compared to the same period last year and comparable store sales growth excluding temporarily closed stores, was a positive 0.7%. After a solid start to the quarter through February, we experienced a surge in traffic in early March as customers stocked up amid growing fears surrounding the spread of COVID-19. We saw a significant uptick in sales of product categories like household and cleaning products, health and hygiene essentials, and food products. It comes as no surprise the demand for Easter and early summer seasonal goods, party supplies, and greeting cards was lower in these exceptional circumstances. This was followed by a sharp decline in store traffic by late March as a result of increasingly strict measures imposed across Canada. Mall stores that remained open were by far the most impacted, seeing a much more significant drop in traffic than our street-level stores and mall stores with an outside entrance with customers keeping shopping trips in malls to a minimum. Enclosed mall stores represent about 25% of the chain. As mentioned on the last call, we nonetheless kept as many locations open as possible so that customers had access to everyday essentials. This was especially important in communities with limited options or where we didn't have a nearby location to redirect them to. Overall, customers were making fewer trips to our stores but spending more on each visit. This is well illustrated in our SSS results for the quarter, comprised of a 22.6% increase in average ticket and a 17.9% decrease in the number of transactions. By the end of April, the situation began to stabilize with some provinces announcing and or authorizing the gradual restart of economic activity and with customers venturing out of their homes a bit more. However, store traffic continued to be adversely impacted by physical distancing measures in place. These measures remain in place to present day and likely for the foreseeable future. Looking at online sales, these saw a sharp increase in line with the overall trend experienced in the market due to the pandemic. Keep in mind that Dollarama online sales, which are by the case only, remain non-material to our overall sales. But we are pleased with this uptick and continue to develop our capabilities in this regard, while maintaining our focus on our brick and mortar stores. Looking at the second quarter now underway, we anticipate a very careful and gradual resumption of activities across the country as public health authorities closely monitor the effects of reopening businesses, services, and public spaces. In this context, it is important that the protocols we have designed and the measures we have invested in and implemented over the last three months remain in place. Turning to our store network, we did manage to open 10 net new stores in the quarter, bringing our total store count to 1,301 locations. Please keep in mind that new store openings are planned well in advance 
and that most of these new stores were either ready for opening or close to completion before the start of the confinement, and that construction, where it was still allowed, proceeded in, a, in such a way that all COVID-19 measures in place were respected. As of our 1,301 stores, 104 were temporarily closed at quarter end. These stores were almost all in enclosed shopping malls and primarily in Quebec. The majority of these stores have since been reopened with the lifting of this measure in Quebec, outside of the Greater Montreal area, on June 1st. As of today, only 32 stores remain temporarily closed. At quarter end, most of our stores were operating with at least 10% reduced hours to allow more time for restocking and due to mandatory Sunday closures in the province of Quebec. As of today, only 246 of our stores are operating with 10% reduced hours, a measured improvement. As previously noted, supporting our employees and ensuring everyone's health and safety was our priority from the outset of the pandemic. We invested significantly, significant capital and resources on wide-ranging measures which remain in place to this day. Those include, but are not limited to, the implementation of a temporary 10% wage increase, robust in-store health and safety measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19, including distribution of personal protective equipment, such as masks, gloves, and face shields, installation of plexiglass shields at cash counters, distancing markers in queue lines and directional arrows and aisles, as well as the implementation of comprehensive store cleaning and sanitization protocols, among other measures. The addition of approximately 450,000 employee hours in stores to ensure the execution of all new COVID-19 protocols. Financial support for employees directly or indirectly impacted by a positive COVID-19 case with a total of only 20 confirmed store employee cases to date since the beginning of the pandemic. New operating procedures in our distribution center and warehouses such as health checks, increased sanitization, reduced capacity and shift sizes, and distribution of personal protective equipment, among other measures. Incremental direct costs associated with these measures and incurred during the second half of the quarter are estimated at approximately $15 million, about $14 million of which is SG&A and the balanced cost of goods. This does not reflect any indirect costs related to lost sales or the impact of a different sales mix. Our performance in Q1 demonstrates the strength of our business model and our strong execution abilities in a difficult context. It also reflects the continued appeal of our value proposition to Canadians across the country. Every action we are taking today is intended to protect and sustain the Dollarama brand for the long term. Michael, over to you. Thank you, Neil, and hello, everyone. So looking at the first quarter of fiscal 2021, financial results in more detail, Sales increased by 2% to $845 million, driven by a higher overall store count and a 0.7% same-store sales growth, excluding temporarily closed stores. Same-store sales consisted of a 22.6% increase in average transaction size and 
a 17.9% decrease in the number of transactions as customers reduced the frequency of store visits but purchased larger quantities of goods at one time. If we include temporarily store, uh, closed stores, same-store sales decreased by 2.4% year-over-year. Gross margin was 41.3% of sales, down from 42.1% last year due to negative scaling effects of lower sales per store, higher sales of lower margin consumable products, and incremental direct costs related to COVID-19 measures implemented, which had a 10 basis points impact. SGNA for the first quarter represented 16.3% of sales compared to 14.7% of sales for the first quarter of fiscal 2020. This variance mainly reflects costs related to additional health and safety measures and temporary wage increases. EBITDA was $213.7 million, representing 25.3% of sales. Uh, net earnings were $86.1 million, and diluted earnings per share, share was uh, $0.28. Cents. Capital expenditures increased by $17.3 million to $48 million for the first quarter of fiscal 2021. This increase largely, largely reflects a planned investment in additional self-checkout machines. The piloting of self-checkouts has been an ongoing project for the last two years, and we continue to gradually extend it. Additional self-checkout machines will be installed in high-traffic locations across the network to help accelerate the checkout process and free up our employees for other in-store tasks. As of the quarter end, we had just over 50 self-checkouts across Canada, and we expect to at least double that by fiscal year end. We are proceeding with planned capital expenditures where the work can be completed without requiring air travel and as long as all COVID-19 related safety measures can be followed. This applies to self-checkout installations, but also to new store openings and other ongoing initiatives such as security cameras and other store optimization projects. As a reminder, we have suspended guidance for the fiscal year due to the ongoing situation. We will continue to reevaluate this decision on a quarterly basis. So looking now at Dollar City, at its latest quarter ended March 31st, 2020, Dollar City had a total of 232 stores compared to 228 as at year end. Currently, Dollar City has three temporarily closed stores, down from 40 closures in mid-March 2020. However, strict COVID-19 government measures remain in place in El Salvador, Guatemala, and Colombia, including curfews and other measures impacting store hours of operation and customer traffic. Dollar City's contribution to our net earnings for the first quarter was $2.4 million and was only slightly impacted by COVID-19 since the pickup is for the period ended March 31, 2020. We expect the fuller impact of COVID-19 on Dollar City to be felt in their next quarterly results. As a reminder, the calculation of the final purchase price for the 50.1% interest in Dollar City was acquired 
uh, we acquired in August 2019 will be based on 20-month period ending June 30th, 2020, so in a few weeks from now. In the context of COVID-19 and its projected impact on Dollar City sales and operating results, we have adjusted the estimated purchase price from U.S. dollars 92.7 million to 80.4 million dollars U.S. An upfront payment of 40 million U.S. Uh, was already made in August 2019. The balance of the purchase price based on audited financial statements will be paid in our third quarter of fiscal 2021 with available free cash flows. Dollarama also made a US 20 million, US dollar 20 million uh, capital contribution subsequent to quarter end to Dollar City to cover our share of the costs associated with a series of transactions aimed at bringing real estate assets into the Dollar City Group, eliminating existing related party leases and insourcing logistics activities. No further capital contributions are expected to be required from stockholders in the foreseeable future. Dollar City's management is proceeding with caution regarding ongoing projects and is focused on respecting directives in place, including health and safety measures. They continue to manage the business prudently, and as the situation gradually improves, we'll carefully resume our growth plans. In Q1 fiscal 2021, we did not repurchase any shares under the normal course issuer bid in order to preserve liquidity in the context of COVID-19 pandemic. We also increased borrowings and drew down on our committed revolving credit facility and issued notes under a recently implemented U.S. commercial paper program to further improve our liquidity in an uncertain context. At the end of the first quarter, our leverage was identical to year-end at 2.9 times adjusted net debt to EBITDA. We will maintain our prudent approach to capital allocation as the situation normalizes. The board has approved a quarterly dividend of 4.4 cents per share and will maintain its approach of evaluating the dividend on a quarterly basis. Cash flows from operations together with cash on hand and credit available will continue to provide Dollarama with a solid financial and liquidity position. So Neil, back over to you to, for the concluding remarks. Thank you, Michael. In conclusion, during the first quarter of fiscal 2021, our teams in Canada and Latin America, as well as our customers, faced an unprecedented situation. We adapted quickly and accomplished a lot in a very short period of time to serve customers safely and efficiently in these markets. Our business model and supply chain have shown their resiliency in challenging times. So has our strong and dedicated team. The relevance of our convenience and strong value proposition to consumers also shone through in every corner of Canada as well as in the markets where we are present in Latin America. As we enter the second quarter in the summer months, we accept, expect shopping patterns to continue to evolve, keeping in mind that physical distancing measures will continue to have an important impact on store traffic. We remain committed to providing our customers with a compelling assortment of everyday products at affordable prices, along with a safe 
and convenient shopping experience. With that, I'll now turn it over to the operator. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rossi. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. And the first question is from Irene Mattel from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks and good morning, gentlemen. Um, good morning. I was wondering, could we, good morning, could we just please start with a little bit more color around Q2 to date? And I know it's really early, but you know, as things have started opening up a little bit, are you seeing a little bit more demand for, let's say, some of the more boredom busting or you know outdoor items number one and number two is there anything you can do about the way your items are displayed or located in the store to facilitate purchase of those kinds of items when people are trying to respect that social distancing okay so maybe i can start uh, neil um so uh, so following a volatile sales environment uh, in q1 uh, we are happy and pleased with the momentum we're seeing in our business right now uh, in the early uh, part of the uh, uh, second quarter. So um, we are seeing seasonal sales like uh, summer uh, picking up uh, in early Q2. So we, we, we and as Neil uh, alluded to in the opening uh, um, text uh, that uh, uh, as deconfinement uh, uh, happens, this is the type of uh, reaction we're seeing. That, that's great. Yeah, and others, you know, for example, Canadian Tire has talked a little bit about seeing an uptick in, in sales of uh, boredom busters. Certainly, you guys seem to be well positioned from that perspective. Oh, you know, at lower, at certain more accessible price points. Would you, when you look at your lineup for seasonal-ish types of items, would you agree? Well, I think I think. Well, I, I'll give you an anecdote that might answer your question. So, Thank so you. in our evolution of uh, of training, you know, next generation buyers and building our bench strength. The, the uh, buyer of summer gardening, uh, watering, uh, accessories, etc., changed last year to this year. And I, I can tell you that the new summer gardening water accessories buyer looks like a genius right now. And he's ecstatic <laughs> that his numbers are, are over the moon. And I told him, with all due respect, that, that it's exciting. But, you know, since everybody's at home gardening right now, it might have impacted his, 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 his performance a little. Uh, so, yes, I think that, you know, what people are doing at home right now is certainly impacting what they're buying and at what rate. Uh, so, you know, there's more barbecuing and, and gardening and, and, and games going on at home than there usually is and less travel. Uh, but um, I think that's specific, of course, to this particular time and challenge in life and I doubt that, you know, that's, that's a new trend per se after we've solved the current crisis. 
Thank you. And just uh, wondering, if we, if we just talk a little bit about Dollar City for a moment, um, you know, sort of the purchase price revision downward, is that purely because of current performance? Uh, have you, does it change at all, or does the current environment change at all? How do you think about the potential? Um, um, yeah, a great question, uh, Irene. Uh, the, uh, so, in fact, what's happening uh, is that, uh, and if you recall, the cost of the investment is formula-based. And, and so the formula, as we've uh, described in the past, uh, is five times EBITDA. Uh, the EBITDA uh, is uh, the, the period covered is for the 12 month ending this June, upcoming June 30th. And unfortunately, uh, the COVID impacted, uh, as we stated, um, beginning March, uh, April, uh, May, and, and now June, uh, had uh, an impact uh, on the calculation. So unfortunately, um, uh, for partners that, that impacted uh, negatively. So it's uh, strictly formula-based, has nothing to do with the potential of Dollar City uh, in the future. And, and, uh, and by the way, this adjustment um, that uh, we're doing uh, on the uh, investment part also triggers uh, a tax uh, impact that we disclosed in uh, our uh, results in Q1. You will see that on the tax line. You will notice that the percentage has increased, uh, percentage of sales, and that's due to a 4.5 million one-time uh, adjustment or impact relating to the adjustment of that investment in Dollar City. So our corporate income tax is 4.5 million higher uh, because of this. And th while I'm on the dollar city, I, I mentioned it uh, in my text, but just want to make sure everyone understood is that um, we incorporated, we included in our Q1 results, um, our Q1 period is February, March, April. Their dollar cities period is January, February, March. So their results that we included in our results uh, does not include April. And uh, so in our Q2 results, we will be including their April results. So expect that to have a negative impact uh, in Q2 for uh, uh, Dollar City. So that's what I wanted to clarify and make sure everyone understood clearly. And I'd like to thank, thank you, Irene. You for supporting Dollarama by buying your lucky mobile card. <laughs> <laughs> Caught out once again. Thank you, Neil. Apologies for that. And uh, lots more questions, but I'll hand it over to someone else. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Mark Petrie from CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Um, I just wanted to follow up with regards to your comments um, on the performance of Q2 thus far. Aside from the categories where you've seen, you know, a big surge in, in interest related to the home and, and outdoor play, 
Um, have there been sort of other significant changes in, in shopping patterns um, in terms of which categories you called out seasonal, you know, recovering, I guess, from probably what was, was, what was a pretty tough Q1? And then also, you know, you also called out traffic uh, as being, you know, continue to being under pressure. Um, if you look at sort of the traffic trends for the non-mall stores, have those changed materially, you know, over the last kind of, you know, six weeks from the end of Q1? Well, we've just reopened, uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, some of the mall stores. Uh, during Q1, we, uh, the last time we spoke in Q4, at that time we announced 55 closures. That went up during the quarter to 104-ish, and now is back down uh, to 32 uh, so, um, one, uh, for those stores that are reopening, you've got some positive traffic uh, kicking back in, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, it's a slow pickup where we're just, you know, beginning to, uh, to see that. Uh, but I think people are still, what we see is still ca- caution. In other words, people not coming as often but buying more at a time. Uh, I think, you know, those are the... Uh, what we're seeing right now. Okay. And and any other commentary about the category performance or where you've seen ups and downs over the last little while? I, th- I mean, as mentioned, you know, party is, is down, uh, greeting cards are down, the, the normal the normal things that you would think that people are doing less of, where where large groups of people are are, are necessary to generally to, to do, uh, those are down and, and other things, I guess, have taken their place and are compensating uh, and are stronger than normal, like uh, uh, a lot of our toys and summer toys, pool toys, uh, gardening, stuff like that. Okay. And, and as you've sort of been planning your assortment for fall, winter, and then I guess even into 2021, how has this experience sort of affected that process? And you know, just sort of thinking specifically about mix, but obviously interested to hear any other comments. You know, how, how do you sort of plan for how long this, these sort of impacts may last? So there, there are two parts to that question. The first part is um, the question of whether uh, Halloween and Christmas, uh, you know, will be normal, not normal, uh, there'll be parties, no parties, there'll be a million kids at every front door or not. And the answer is nobody knows the answer to that question. And so we are going to continue with a business as usual uh, approach. If everything is back to normal, fantastic, we'll be in a great position. And if it's not, then we'll have a bunch of Christmas and Halloween goods to carry over till the next year. And, and, you know, we're being more conservative how we buy the consumable things like the chocolates and the candies. But for the, for the other stuff, it can last another year. It's not time sensitive. And so we're going to take the risk of having too much holiday season goods in order to be sure that we have the goods should things get back to normal. That's one piece. The other piece is, you know, will people continue to buy um, hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes you know, at the mad pace that they've been trying to get them for the last several months go forward, uh, you know, once there's a vaccine or another solution to this crisis. And again, nobody knows how stringent people's mindsets will be 
post a solution to this problem? Will they have a different, you know, default level of, of, of you know, sanitary habits and protocols or not? Who knows? So we're, we're doing the best we can to put ourselves in a position that isn't overcommitted or undercommitted and, and taking the best educated guesses we can. But the, the, there are many questions that no one has an answer to and therefore uh, we're simply doing the best we can to, to take our best educated guess on what the right way to handle them is. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, I guess uh, you commented that you expect to continue to invest in the value proposition uh, to consumers, um, but I think also times you, know, you guys are uh, a fast follower in the market when it comes to prices. So is that a comment um, and, and that outlook that you will be holding price or investing in value, is that irrespective of the competitive environment or were you just simply highlighting your expectation that the market's going to remain competitive and just limit price increases overall? So that was more of a tempor temporary sensitivity to the current pandemic situation. Uh, we don't want to be taking advantage in any way of our customers, and we've taken on the responsibility of having been kept open as an essential business in a very, 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 let's say, serious or responsible fashion to the best of our abilities. And regardless of what other retailers are doing, whether they're charging more because they can, because there's a need, we feel we, we wanted to stay true to that responsibility. Uh, the question over the long term of non-essential goods, you know, we, we continue to follow the philosophy we've always followed, which is to be a price follower and not a price leader. And if the cost of goods goes up because the dollar is weaker or a million other things that affect what costs, you know, affects the cost of our goods and therefore the retails uh, that, that we have to charge, we will follow the market and make sure that we remain competitive. But... We can't, we can't simply absorb higher costs forever. Obviously, at some point, you know, they get passed on in some form or fashion as conservatively as we can. Okay, thanks. And then just a last one. With regard to the elevated costs in the period, I'm just wondering if you can give any more specifics about the buckets of the $14 million of SG&A costs. Obviously, it's mostly labor, but maybe a number. And then also, more broadly, I'm just curious that, you know, how you're looking at those elevated costs, if, how sticky you think it'll be, what will go away and how you're thinking about, you know, sort of some, I guess, semi-permanent changes to your cost base and how you operate, be it in the DC or in the stores. Okay. So, um, the, uh, so we, we told you that, um, the, uh, uh, 14 million of GNA, uh, the majority of that is, uh, labor cost. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a, uh, 13 million, uh, is labor and one million is you know equipment, uh, 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 plexiglass, uh, hand sanitizers, masks, gloves, the whole kit. Um, now um, the uh, and the uh, 13 million includes the 10% bonus and the uh, greeter, uh, the shift that we created in every store. Uh, so all of that is a part of that cost. Um, obviously, that's going to continue into Q2, and, and, so, um, and we will highlight those uh, again for you uh, at the next uh, board meeting.
Um, maybe the color we can give you short term. Uh, uh, this is, uh, you know, moving into Q2. From a, a GNA standpoint, if you'd exclude uh, the COVID costs, we expect GNA to perform the same in the same way or in line with what you saw in Q1 if you also exclude the COVID costs. Um, so that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, for the gross margin portion, uh, we still expect a mixed change impact to continue. We still expect uh, uh, an increase in products like Neil just mentioned that we're not going to pass on to consumers, so that will have a continue to have a negative impact on uh, the gross margin. And, and finally, obviously, the COVID costs um, uh, that uh, impact uh, the logistics mainly operations. Okay, appreciate all the comments. All the best, guys. Cool. Thank you. The next question is from Vishal Shridhar from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, I, I guess uh, this question is uh, maybe a little bit more difficult to answer, and maybe you've already alluded to it, but as you're reflecting on what the consumer is telling you during this period of time, obviously the consumer is coming to Dollarama in a period of, uh, call it, uh, a distress, are, are there any signals that you see or hearing messages that you're hearing from the consumer that will cause you to change the way you're doing things, maybe a little bit longer term? For example, um, the consumers are, are coming to Dollarama, obviously pressured, and they're, and they're buying a lot in the basket. Maybe that's causing you to reflect on maybe we need the price points higher so we can offer consumers more, or the types of merchandise that you offer, or your e-commerce offer, any of those types of initiatives. Uh, from from the perspective of our bricks and mortar uh, stores, the answer is no. Uh, from the perspective of our online operations, um, which are already not the norm, and they're already you know specific to trying to accommodate our customers and bring a different uh, sort of business uh, um, plan and uh, an availability of goods to our customers than simply buying the same goods as in our stores, uh, which, which is not why we built that platform. We built it for people who wanted a large amount of the goods to not disrupt our bricks and mortar stores. We will continue to use that online platform to make all kinds of goods available that we think our customers might be interested in. And therefore, you might see different things tested or tried on the online platform, which will have nothing to do with our philosophy or our approach with our bricks and mortar operations. Okay, uh, thanks. Um, and just a, a few um, other uh, quick ones here. Um, in terms of, uh, there, there's so many new costs coming into the system, and, and they're hitting not only Dollarama, but your, your colleagues and peers as well. And, and I know in, uh, you're, you're trying to maintain uh, certain uh, price, price points for your consumers, but in the, in the, in the dis more discretionary items, are you seeing inflation in the market yet? I think what we're seeing in the market is, is inflation on the more essential items, to be quite honest, and less on the discretionary items. Uh, and those are the items that we're sensitive not to move on as much as possible. Uh, but as a, as a whole, there's been a little movement on the non-discretionary 
uh, or the discretionary, I should say. Uh, and the more it moves, the more, of course, it allows us to move along with it. Okay. And on the, the hero pay, uh, some retailers have, have started to scale back those initiatives. I, I know you've given us a timeline for that first tranche of uh, hero pay, the extended uh, uh, compensation there. Any thoughts on how, how uh, Dollarama is thinking about that? Well, uh, we are thinking of it, what's best for our employees, for our customers, and our shareholders. And all of those three categories uh, are incredibly important, but they're all affected by every decision we make. And so we have to remain competitive for our employees to be able to have jobs and be able to provide the goods we, we have you know, for our customers. And so we have to keep it all uh, in consideration and uh, we're, we're, we're sensitive to all of those parties. So it's, it's, a, it's a thing we study throughout the year, every year, for many years, trying to make sure that we're treating our team as well as we can while still being competitive. Okay, and uh, moving on here, a little bit more uh, technical. The, the inventories were down a bit uh, year over year. I know last quarter, I think uh, last quarter it was commented that some inventory items were already in motion and there wasn't much ability to control the inventory, at least if I recollect right. Just wondering if the inventories were down because there was some managing of working cap or uh, were there other factors at play? No, I think it's just timing. So there's nothing going on with inventory, you know, either good or bad. It's For us, it's more or less um, you know, business as usual. It's just a timing here of of uh, uh, of what you see uh, there. So there's you know nothing to be worried about or to be concerned. Okay. Um, and, uh, and 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 I meant quarter over quarter for the inventory. But yeah. the um, and just moving on. Last one here was um, on dividends. I know a board decision. Obviously, uh, management's encouraged with trends in Q2. Uh, and, and cash flow still seems to be strong. So, yeah, I guess if you had to put on, <laughs> if you had to put on the hat of, of, the, of the board, what, what do they need to see to, to get this div, dividend going again, in your view, and, and the buyback for that matter? Well, we said during, you know, we just, and as things unfold, we will adjust, but it was key for us to, during uh, uh, the, these uncertain times, to freeze a bit, you know, uh, the... Um, uh, the, uh, the dividend or buying back of shares and and just to make sure that and maybe over precautionary we'll see uh, but uh, for the time being you know we, we stated that during this period um, uh, those are elements that we would uh, freeze and as things unfold and come back more to nor uh, normality then uh, we'll you know discuss that again with the board Thanks for the color. Thank All you. Right. The, the next question is from Peter Sklar from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, Neil, I just wanted to clarify your comments. Um, so on the 10% wage premium that you've put in place, are you saying that um, you don't have a view yet on the timeline when that may come off? Well, so far we've announced July 1st. And uh, until further notice, that is the stance we've taken. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you and Michael about is um, on your gross margin, which was down about 
uh, 80 basis points during the quarter, which I thought was a good performance given the, you know, the real um, category shift you would have had into consumables. So I'm just wondering if you had any further comments about the gross margin uh, beyond what you've said already, anything that could have positively impacted it or any other color you could, you could put on that. Sure. So, you know, we have, so out of the 80 beeps, you've got 10 beeps uh, related to the COVID. The other 70, I would almost split half and half scaling and mix. Okay. And there's a bit of cost uh, also, uh, 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 cost increase that we did not pass on. But it's mostly, you know, in, uh, mix, uh, scale, and uh, last a bit of uh, cost. Okay. Uh, and, Michael, the last thing I wanted to ask you, you know how, like, every once in a while, I don't know if it's every year or every two years, use that consulting firm who kind of does an economic uh, demographic study by all the sub-markets across Canada, and you come up with a view on store count. When is your next update for potential store count for Dollarama in Canada? Yeah, so, so that would have been, that would be like this year, but right now, because of what's going on with the COVID, we just want to make sure that we un- understand the dynamics coming out of this and, and, and uh, you know, then uh, once we're comfortable with that, we'll uh, at the appropriate time come out and, and uh, give you more color. Okay, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Brian Morrison from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Mr. Morrison from TD Securities, your line is now open. Hi there. Sorry. Um, Neil, can we just go back to price inflation? I want to understand or clarify exactly what you're saying here. So, We've noticed a handful of price increases in recent days on specific items and confirmed that with store employees. And Michael says it's going to continue to be a headwind in Q2, but I'm, I'm really curious if you've started to responsibly take price uh, recently as, as you see things such as FX forthcoming. Right. So, so it's all relative. Uh, you know, the relativity of the number of price increases that we are doing now relative to what we do uh, normal course of business or others do normal course of business is at an all-time low. Uh, is that to say that you won't see any? No, definitely you'll see some. Where uh, vendors have put through uh, a large increase in our cost, and I can think of many items where the costs have gone up by 20 to 40%, and I can think of some items where they've gone up over 100%. Uh, we will be passing on some of those increased costs to our consumers. The question is more where the market is going up and we have a decision to make, do we or don't we, uh, and, and we can keep our existing price, particularly on all of the essential goods, we will hold our price and not take any markup. So as we go forward, will your price increases as we get into fiscal 22, do you believe that they are going to be positive, neutral uh, to your gross margin? I, honestly, that's something I have to watch and see. It's, it's, not, it's, it's less dependent on us than it is on the market. We need to remain competitive. The market goes up. We will go up. 
because it means we're all absorbing the same higher costs for multiple reasons. Okay. If I can ask a question on Dollar City, please. Um, can you just maybe just outline the seasonality of that business? I thought it was flatter than that of Dollarama, but just based on the Q4 and Q1 results, uh, clearly I'm incorrect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 so for Q1, it's uh, more or less the same uh, as uh, Dollarama, except for April, like I said, uh, uh, because there's a uh, decalage, uh, um, yeah. an offset, an offset uh, right now between their quarter and our quarter. So, uh, like I said, we picked up their January, February, March results, uh, uh, and not their April results. Uh, our our results are February, March, April too. Um, so, um, you know, so for Q1. It's more or less uh, the same Q2, Q3. Uh, Q4 is uh, uh, higher, but again, there's that month difference difference uh, uh, in Q4 because they've got October, November, December. We have November, December, January. So there's a, an offset here uh, between ourselves and, and them, but typically... If you look at it on a monthly basis, it's more or less the same as we have. Okay. Understood. And last question. In terms of your store count at Dollarama for the end of the year, can you provide us sort of an updated target on where you think that could land? No. Uh, we, we, I mean, we're not giving any targets, uh, Brian. But, I mean, you can see today uh, we're going through the worst of it. We opened 10 store compared to 11 last year. So uh, I think uh, it, it's going uh, well. Uh, maybe we'll give you a bit more color next quarter. Uh, we decided not to, to give out more now, uh, but uh, uh, to date it's going very well. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Chris Lee from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Oh, hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so just a few quick questions, hopefully. Um, first one, Neil, um, you guys increased the number of SKUs by almost 1,000 last year. I guess my question is, how are they performing so far? And does the higher number of SKUs increase your flexibility to perhaps launch higher price points um, in, in the near term? Uh, well, uh the first part of your question is that those SKUs are performing well and uh, in line with the overall mix. Uh, the second part of your question is that the bandwidth of more SKUs has nothing to do with the discussion about raising prices. They're entirely different questions. We can raise prices whenever we wish. We just choose not to for the time being. And as what it does allow us to do over the course of time is as our logistics and supply chain and replenishment systems get refined, it allows us in the same sized retail boxes to have more SKUs without increasing our logistics costs for managing them, and that's why it's a slow but steady procedure. Okay, that's great. That's helpful. And then do you expect to see more attractive real estate opportunities during this recession as other retailers might be shutting down, and therefore, is there a potential for Dollarama to perhaps accelerate your new store openings over the longer term? 
Well, God willing, every landlord in Canada is listening to your question and something good will come from it. But uh, for the time being, we, we remain uh, diligent about finding and uh, assessing every possible location that would be interesting to add to our current mix based on geographies and population densities and all the other things that you would think one has to consider when looking at new store locations. Um, hopefully, uh, without you know, sounding insensitive to those you know, locations that were occupied by other businesses, uh, hopefully Dollarama will have opportunities uh, that it hasn't had in the past. And, uh, you know, that's, that's being studied on a day-to-day -day basis by our real estate team. And uh, if, if, you know, if we're, if we're fortunate, uh, the opportunities will be there more than they have in the past. And if we're not fortunate, it'll be what you've seen for the last number of years, which is still a very aggressive growth you know, uh, pattern that we're doing our best to continue. Okay, that's great. Maybe just one more real estate question. W was the company able to obtain any type of rent relief? And then maybe secondly, are you able to renew leases perhaps on more favorable terms uh, given the current environment than pre-COVID? So, so uh, the second part of your question we don't disclose. On the first part of your question, I'm quite, I'm quite proud of the fact that um, regardless of what we could have done or what others did, uh, we made a decision from day one to be, you know, sort of perfect corporate citizens and pay every landlord every lease, every penny, whether that store was open or closed. So even if the mall was closed uh, uh, for no fault of our own, uh, we continued to pay rent everywhere and absorbed all the costs of the pandemic in those locations and did not go back to the landlords to try to get uh, anything from them. And I think, you know, part of our philosophy was one, it was our responsibility to do so if we could, and for two, that uh, we hoped uh, our partners uh, on the landlord side would acknowledge the efforts we made now and go forward when they are re-signing leases and renewing leases, uh, you know, how, how good we were as partners. That's great. And then for the 50 stores that have self-checkouts currently, can you share with us what is the average scan rate uh, for those stores? Uh, we don't uh, disclose that, uh, Chris, uh, but maybe what we can say is that it did increase during the COVID period, that's for sure. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, no, we're, we're not disclosing uh, that information right now. Right. Uh, so, so it was an interesting, you know, project uh, to start with, and I think our customers have really told us in the last little while in particular that they liked uh, the idea and sort of uh, there was much more buy-in to the concept of checking yourself out than there has been in the past. Even if it made sense in the past, from a customer's perspective, they liked the idea and started to use it more than ever. 
And so, you know, in the end, the, the cash-out process is a customer-centric process. We need to be sensitive to how it best serve our customers, and they're telling us that they like that process very much. So we're working on a nice balance of, of you know, continuing to roll out and, and, and improve our self-checkout processes, make sure that our employees who manage those self-checkout machines and are available to ensure that those processes are, are, are well you know, executed, um, are there for the customer. And so we're trying to keep a nice balance between you know, uh, customer service and making sure that we have the correct employee hours and the correct people at those machines to help with that servicing. That's great. And then my last question is just on GNA expenses. I just want to confirm, Michael, um, I guess this in Q1, if exclude COVID, um, the GNA expense dollars were largely flat compared to last year. Did I hear you correctly that for Q2, yes. it's going yeah. to be the same trend? Okay. And if right. the reason it was flat, was it flat mostly because of reduced hours and temporary store closures? Or were there any initiatives that you guys accelerate to, to manage the expenses better? Yeah, well, to be you know, uh, tra- um, clear and transparent, there's, uh, it's flat with last year. There's some noise there related to COVID, but it also takes into account the fact that uh, it's flat regardless of the downscale. Uh, so, um, uh, but there's, uh, there's noise in there uh, to, to, be, uh, to be more, um, uh, not to lead you on uh, a wrong path. Um, so let's just say that um, overall, you know, uh, uh, Q1 was uh, good. Uh, we've got uh, productivity initiatives in place. Uh, that are uh, and accelerating them uh, with uh, what you saw on the capex side in Q1 uh, to help us offset any normal inflation for this year. So that's moving along very well. That's great. Uh, have a great summer and continue to stay safe and healthy. Thank you, and you too. Thank you. Thank you. And the last question is from Patricia Baker from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, Neil, in your opening remarks, you did t- talk about the fact that you had a, you know, strong online uh, sales, and that's not surprising. But I'd be really curious to hear which categories or which products uh, did you see demand for in the bulk sell? Sure. So uh, we, we did the best we could to make uh, our essential COVID items available online, and there was a, uh, a very strong following of customers, whether they were individuals or small businesses or, or institutions that took advantage of that platform uh, to help them solve their issues in sourcing PPE. There was also uh, a very nice uptick in um, crafts uh, and other project items for people who had to become, I guess, uh, teachers to their children when their children could no longer go to school, mm-hmm. uh, uh, things of that nature. Okay, interesting. And then, Michael, I don't know if you'll answer this, but just on that question of uh, you know store growth uh, in twenty in 2020, can you talk about how many projects are currently in, in the second quarter or are currently still uh, under construction? 
no, but uh, you know, I, again, you know, in Q1, uh, uh, we we fared very well in in the worst of the pandemic. Um, so you know, hopefully, with things. Um, getting calmer and calmer, it just makes it easier going okay. ahead. All right. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you. We are unfortunately out of time, and this will therefore close the call at this time. So thank you. Once again, we, the conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.